But you know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is oh so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com etm. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Nerdwallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Shame can stop us from having conversations about money. Shame can stop us from thinking of ourselves as someone who is capable, abundant, someone who can hold money, someone who can handle money. Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. Money is this thing that we cannot avoid. We cannot avoid it. So why not have it be as nurturing, generative, eye opening, weird? interesting, you know, as as we are. Everyone always asks me, how could I come up with a thousand different podcast episode show ideas? And I tell them, it's actually very easy because money is very complex. And even though you've been taught to believe it's simple, it is complex. But just because it's complex, it doesn't mean it has to be hard or soul crushing. That's what gets me excited to do this show. Whether we're talking about a classic money topic like how to pay off your debt or something more complex like the emotions behind your money, 
There's just a lot to explore from a lot of different angles. Our guest, Sarah Gutsdiener, host of the podcast Moonbeaming and the owner of Moon Studio, is here to explore what we don't talk about when we talk about money, juicy topics like shame, nervous system dysregulation, self-sabotage, something I know a lot about myself, and all our ancestral money trauma. And she's here to help you learn practical tools to create change. I'm Shauna. This is Everyone's Talking Money. Let's start talking. We've got a lot to talk about. uh, And I've been looking forward to this episode because you know, my passion is really to help everyone listening, you know, understand that finding money success, you know, whatever that looks like to you is is about more than just having a ton of money. I think we could both agree that having a lot of money is is always a good thing, but it just it doesn't guarantee a happier life or that life gets better. And I think to to find like true money success, I think we have to be willing to look at everything from a really kind of like holistic point of view. You know, how do we make money? How do we keep it? How do we grow it? But also, you know, how do you internally feel about money? What's your money story? What are the beliefs that you have believed about money? Like what are the things that are that are getting you stuck? So we're here to talk about the things we don't talk about when we talk about money. <laughs> things yeah. like shame, nervous system, deregulation, self-sabotaging, epigenetics and ancestry. So I want to start with this idea of shame, because I feel like it's something so prevalent. You know, tell me, how does shame, how does that show up? How is it embodied when we talk about money? Oh, I mean, where isn't it embodied, right? Like I think in there, there's so much shame ultimately embedded in money because in general, our culture, not every person in the culture, but culturally, as far as I I interpret it, we are in a scarcity-based culture, which means it's viewing things from a position of lack, a position of competition, a position of not enough. There's never enough. You know, we see millionaires wanting to become billionaires. We see billionaires wanting to fly to the moon when they could be solving hunger, you know, like we see this very chemically fueled, I would say historically fueled um, relationship with scarcity. And so what that ends up creating with many of us, whether it's unconscious or we can kind of see it and we can kind of feel it in our nervous systems and it kind of influence or it not kind of, it does influence our relationships, including that with money and work, is shame, which is the feeling, uh, which is the emotion or sensation of, I am unworthy, I will never be enough. Um, And that then ends up creating certain patterns that, of course, we're here to relearn and we're here to rewire. And that's why money and work are such fertile grounds for reworking our relationship with shame because of all of the programming internalized and externalized around not being enough, not having enough, how that ends up influencing our self-perception and our relationships with other people. So it's a really great place to you know, as my therapist would say, there's a lot of material there, right, that we can work with. 
<laughs> yes, exactly. And so you talk about these these patterns, and I think you know one of the things that I I love to do on this show is help people understand and and maybe kind of. I don't know, just have greater awareness of of the patterns that um, they have around money, why they do or don't do certain things. And I know shame is at at the core of you know so many of our relationship with money. I know it's been at the relation you know core of my relationship with money for for quite some time. And I've worked with hundreds of people, and I would I would all you know regardless of situation come back to shame being kind of a cornerstone there, you know. But how does how does money shame, or I guess, what does it do to us like externally mm. and then internally more, I think, because it's something we don't really self-examine very often. Yeah. I think shame, there's a couple of functions of shame. I think one function of shame is protection. I think that shame can protect us from experiencing more intense sensations, whether that be emotions or memories or processing hard truths, I think shame can keep us separate from our authenticity and our desires. I think that when we take shame outside of the lens of it being bad, it serves a purpose. You know, every behavior we have whether right. it be staying up too late at night or overspending or you know whatever that may be not talking about things secrecy like they all serve a purpose um and when we like I'm teaching a class right now on abundance and one of the things we do and I'm just bringing this up because I think some of the listeners might benefit from this we have conversations in a mild meditative state with abundance, but we also have conversations with scarcity. And we listen to what scarcity wants to tell us. And often our scarcity, which is linked to shame, is around protection, is around wanting to keep us safe, is around fear that are linked to maybe some other limiting beliefs or things that happened to us when we were young that we haven't processed or things that have happened to us ancestrally that we carry along with us. And so I think that when we stop thinking of shame as a bad thing and start thinking about how we can detach ourselves from shame by being with shame and listening to shame and seeing what it's here to tell us, then we can begin to have more generative conversations, then we don't become the shame because shame can stop us from having conversations about money. Shame can stop us from thinking of ourselves as someone who is capable, abundant, someone who can hold money, someone who can handle money. For me, I'll just share my personal story, uh, just a snippet of it for folks who can relate. For me, I have ADHD and dyscalculia dyscalculia and I'm really bad with numbers and I've always well, had What's that? I've never even heard of that. Yeah, it's so it's like dyslexia but for math. So I have mild dyslexia and I have it with numbers oh. where yeah, a, like I fa I almost failed out of every math class, like didn't matter how how much studying I did, didn't matter if I stayed after school with the teacher. 
I could not get past basic math. And of course, that influenced my relationship with money, along with so many other things that I won't get into. But here's just something I want to share really quickly. ADHD, anyone who has a learning disability, you know, we can extend this to anyone who's been systemically oppressed, um, anyone who comes from uh, a class in wh- a lower class or abject poverty where no one ever talked about money or there was no um, there were no resources or support systems, right? Because money talk without class consciousness is like bypassing as far as I'm concerned, right? It's gaslighting as far as I'm concerned. But so if you have all like if you have one of these, if you have one of these things or all of these things or all of these intersecting identities and backgrounds. So for me, I'm just using ADHD. ADHD comes with a lot of shame. You always feel different. You can never quite, in quote, like get what everyone gets, like you're on a different track. And so what I had to do, I had to rely on my creativity, which is another thing I teach, is we want to lean into our natural strengths and our natural resources when we are transforming our relationship to things that are painful or challenging. So I had to get really creative and really intuitive with money. And what that meant for me as someone with ADHD who has um, different kinds of like object permanence, blindness, and things like that, I literally had to create my own system around money in which I have about seven different bank accounts. One is for my bills. One is for savings. One is my FU fund. One is a vacation I'm planning on. The other thing I've had to do, I do it sometimes, not always, but I had to do it in the beginning when I was first starting out with changing my relationship to money, is I just took out money and cash. And that was, for example, all I could spend on food that month. And that was a way for me to deal with some of my challenges, having ADHD, which is like out of sight, out of mind. This is why it's so hard for people with ADHD to pay bills, to open mail. Um, We have issues with disorganization. I had to find a way that worked for me that maybe if someone else looking in, maybe they would make fun of me. Maybe it wouldn't make sense to them, but it helped me a lot figure out how to have a relationship with money that was generative. Another, and then I'll stop and and let you ask another question or chime in. Another for me with ADHD (laughs) is gamification, gamification, making money fun, making money a challenge, giving myself quick wins uh, so that I could keep my dopamine going, right? Um, And I had to figure that out for myself. The ADHD brain does love games, does love challenges. A lot of uh, my practice is also energetic and magical and nervous system. So I I had to bring a lot of those things on board as well. But those are some of the components. So we have to start where we are. We can't just think that the advice from the hedge fund bro, who's like classic capitalist, go, 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 you know, infinite growth, stop at nothing, F people over. We can't take advice from those kinds of people because it's not specific enough and it's not an integrity with who we really are. And we have to figure that out first and start from there. And then we'll be able to see really beautiful change and results. I'm really, thank you so much for, for sharing that story, Sarah. I, 
made me think about uh, somebody that I worked with a couple of years ago who she had asked a bunch of money experts for help. She'd paid a bunch of people and everyone kept coming back to her and telling her that she was doing everything wrong, you know, and that she um, was never going to be able to reach her money goals. And so she came to me just sort of you know, totally down, head hanging down and said, you know, you're, you're sort of my last hope. Like, can you help me? And she explained, she also had ADHD and she had a, um, uh, bipolar, right. And so when she would have these moments, she would get really manic with her spending and she just couldn't find somebody to, to set up a system that really worked for her. So we did a lot of like what you're describing here. We set up uh, a series of different uh, savings accounts and bank accounts. And one of them was labeled manic spending. And so yes. whenever she would have one of these moments, she could go to that account and that was her yes. specific account that she could buy whatever the heck she wanted, no judgment from that account. And so we set up this whole system to really work with who she was and how she operated rather than trying to change who she was, right? And it's, I, that's what I love what you're sharing is, you know, when we when we're talking about shame or something like that, it's it's you know, not coming at it not from this place of just wanting to get rid of it or saying this is bad, you know, you should not be that person, but how do we work kind of within the constraints of who you are to set something up that is is going to be really beneficial to you and really nurturing? 100%. I love that story because I had a exact same similar experience with a client and we made a joke that she was like for half of the month, she was like good Kermit. And then for half, she was evil Kermit. And so we exact same story. There was a <laughs> amount of money that she could just evil Kermit, buy the shoes, buy the ice cream, like do, you know, whatever. And, and it was fine, you know? And so I love, I love that. I love that. I think we are in this really beautiful time where we're recognizing that what we've been led to believe about money, wealth, stability, the American dream, whatever, what have you. I know you've had a lot of guests on your show who talk about this. You know, it it might have been a lie. It might have not been for us. And Again, like I don't want to take advice from someone who hasn't specifically dealt with some of the challenges I have faced. And I think because of the rise in our access to different stories, the awakening that we've got to get our mindset in a certain space, yes, but we've also have to have our nervous system on board, our emotions on board. We have to really interrogate. I talk a lot about the symbolism of money and what money symbolizes for us. Because so, for example, say money symbolizes a lot of times, too, in my classes, it'll be paradoxical. Money will symbolize, say, both security and freedom. Um for example. So if you have that, if you know that's important to you and your values, you can experience that in your body. You can begin to sensation track and freedom map in your life. And you can start moving towards and orienting towards how you want to feel and how you want to be around money. Absolutely. And also 
in all of the other ways where you can just get started right now. I don't need money to feel more secure in my body. I need nervous system regulation, you know? Uh, I need emotional intelligence. I need to feel like I belong to myself and I belong to the world or I belong to a couple of close friends. So we can, again, we can start wherever we are, wherever we are, and we can expand outwards. Um, And then, of course, ironically, the more we can experience the feelings of what we would like money to give us, the easier it becomes to generate more wealth or at the very least generate more experiences that bring us closer to who we are and what we would like to experience more of in this life. Okay, listen, like many of you out there, I love Notion, our sponsor today. And I honestly use it every day for my notes and journaling. I also track our family expenses and I manage all of our household to-dos. Notion has been such a lifesaver in helping me get a lot more organized because that's not one of my strengths without stressing me out. Notion is a place where any team can write, plan, organize, and rediscover the joy of play. It's a workspace designed not just for making progress, but getting inspired. Notion is the AI-powered workspace that can summarize things like meeting notes and automatically generate action items and help you get answers to questions in seconds. It will honestly blow your mind. Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company, you're a freelancer, you're starting a startup, or you're a student juggling classes and clubs, or you're somebody like myself that just really wants to get organized. Try Notion for free when you go to Notion.com slash ETM. That's all lowercase letters, Notion.com slash ETM, and start turning ideas into action. And when you use our link, you are supporting our show, Notion.com slash ETM. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because, let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash ETM. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. 
That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash ETM for your extended 30-day free trial. So tell me more about the nervous system and how, how do we bring it into, um, how, how do we regulate it? How do we get it to a place that it's actually going to be beneficial uh, as we're you know developing in our, our relationship with money? Yes. I love this conversation. I've done some work with my students. I've done some work with my clients around this. I Just as a caveat, like an aside, a lot of folks who are drawn to my work are highly sensitive people. Shocking. I'm highly sensitive. Um, and they also have a <laughs> So history. am I. Good company. Yeah. You know, HSPs. Here we are living, loving, laughing. Um, and then they also often have a history of trauma. And again, I think that's a lot of people, you know, I don't, I, I would like to end the stigma. Uh, I think if anything, like the past three to six years have given many of us trauma collectively. So I just want to be really open about that. And it doesn't mean you're broken. It doesn't mean that you can't live a joyful life. I am certainly proof of that. And I'm sure you are as well. So I just want to have that as an aside. So this advice, again, might not work for everyone, but I do think that nervous system education is definitely one of the things I wish I was taught when I was, you know, eight years old, seven years old. Um, I think it should be taught in school just as like alongside gym class or something like that, or I don't even know what they're teaching anymore in school. But anyway, anyhow, our nervous system is one of the brains in our body. That's why I say money work isn't just mindset work because we have a couple of other brains in our body. We have our gut, we have our nervous system, we have our heart, and all of these are giving us information. Studies have shown that often it's our body that gives our brain more information than our brain giving our body more information. So developing an awareness of what our nervous system is doing, why and when, linking that to the thoughts that come up, the emotions that come up, and the responses that come up are really, really useful. So I'm going to give a very practical, very simple example of this that I think folks can relate to. I had a client. Yes, and go for we, it. <laughs> yeah. I had a client and she realized that every time she went to send an invoice she went into a freeze response. So what that meant was she numbed out, she became disassociated, she became lethargic, her body became rigid, and she didn't want to send the invoice, okay? It felt like physically very uncomfortable for her to send the invoice. This was, this is not um, a strange thing, you know, like I think as someone who works with creatives, I'm like, can you please send the invoice in? Like, we want to pay you, you know, like it takes a while, <laughs> but, you know, and so, you know what I mean? So what we interrogated was that she had, now we're going back to shame and the feeling and the sh now we're going back to shame and shame protecting us from a different sensation or a different experience when we did some interrogation, this was around her ability to receive, and this was around 
other beliefs she had around overwork or not being able to get paid for what she liked doing or to get paid for what was in her zone of genius. And through a series of somatic experiencing, meditation, movement work, little by little, by slowing down the nervous system, introducing new thoughts, doing things to gently get her out of that freeze response, things that looked like gentle movement, things that looked like softening the body, and also pre-paving, meaning when she wasn't sending the invoice, like say she's on a walk and she's feeling great, she's feeling good, she's feeling connected to her body, having her do visualization work of her sending an invoice with ease, receiving the money in her bank account, joyfully receiving it, giving thanks, giving some of that money to a cause, you know, things that started rewiring not just her mindset, but her behavior, her nervous system, and her ability to contact safety, flow, but at but at the very baseline, neutrality and or the ability for her to be with herself as uncomfortable, disconcerting things came up to give herself the space. When we give ourselves the spaciousness around discomfort and we give ourselves compassionate, a compassionate witness, then those feelings of shame can begin to transform over time. And then the receipts, as it were, of trust begins to build because she's like, oh, you know what? I've sent three invoices in the last month. I'm changing. I'm growing. Maybe it wasn't easy. Maybe it took me longer than I would have liked. But you know what? I did it. And I'm changing right now. And I'm doing this thing. And yeah, it's challenging. And I am not perfect about it. But I'm in a period of transformation and growth. And that's why we do that little by little, like one breath, one nervous system response at a time. And this is also how we create sustainable long-term change. And that's what I'm all about. I'm like, who cares if you have, if, I mean, yes, a million dollars is amazing. A million dollars is great. Like, bring it on, right? I want everyone to have everything that they need and more. And also... I would love it if our nervous systems were regulated. I would love it if we felt like we were receiving that without having to overwork ourselves, uh, if we felt like we didn't have to contort ourselves. like I think that's where we're all headed towards as a culture because it doesn't have to be this way. And we all are kind of waking up to that fact, I think, now, or at least your listeners probably are, you know, because these are the things you talk about. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 
50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. In those moments when money is just not moving as fast as your dreams, Earnit provides the financial momentum you need to keep moving forward. Earnit is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnit app and verify your paycheck. Then you access up to $100 a day as you work and you can leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. I honestly would use Earnin in lots of different ways, but what's on my mind recently is I need a night out. I need some good tacos to sip on a few virgin margaritas and celebrate you all helping this podcast earn 26 million downloads. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. Gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin' Money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin' Money under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Yeah, I mean, this just makes me like so excited. I've got like hairs standing up on my arms, if you could see them right now, because I'm I'm writing a book and, you know, I'm really diving into this idea that I talk about on this show all the time. And I think you're, you're putting, you know, exclamation marks behind this that, you know, we get to a point in life, most of us where we're like, wow, we have all these things that we want to do and all these goals we have. And like, we're not getting any closer to them. Like what's going on? So you, you go out searching for, uh, I, I call it the how to's, you know, how do I buy a house? How do I set up a business? How do I pay off my debt? How do I, and you'll get a list, a laundry list of the steps you take, but that doesn't actually create the change. And what I know is most people get that laundry list of things to do and you just don't do them, right? And so what I love about this conversation is, you know, money is so much more complex than just the how-tos. That's about 10% of the equation of success. The other 90% is this, um, you know, whole system that's that's working behind the scenes. And these are subjects that make me really excited because I feel like in in mainstream uh, you know money expert arena, if you will, these are the things that aren't aren't really talked about. And I, I think it's it's really important just to even you know crack the door to help somebody listening right now. Like think about think about these things. And another thing I really wanted to to talk to you about is 
uh, self-sabotage because, you know, I feel like the older I get, uh, the more self-sabotage <laughs> kind of comes into play. And I, I hope I'm not the only one that feels that way. I hope somebody else listening kind of feels that same way. But, you know, what is it? what does it look like? We've talked about shame. We talked about our nervous system. But what does it look like to, you know, self-sabotage ourselves than when it comes to money? Wow. Yeah. I mean, one thing that just popped up in my head is that self-sabotage can also be a sign that you are growing, right? Because you're at some kind of edge. You're at some kind of like crossroads I'm almost seeing for you um, where you are, you know, you're, you're really you've gotten down to the roots, right? You're like, okay, here I am. And there is like the most natural thing. This is the other thing I want to demystify. I say this to all my students. The most natural thing that happens when we're ready to expand, when we're ready to widen our capacity, our capacity to receive, to widen our capacity of what we think is possible for us or of who we are, is we're going to get resistance. We're going to get resistance uh, because, I mean, there's so many reasons, and I teach about this a lot, so I'll spare everyone the, the long, long story. But just really simply, really, really simply, we are biologically wired to conserve energy. We also are biologically wired to have a negative bias because we needed to remember what berry in the woods was poisonous. We had to remember those. We had to remember the tree, the berry, the tiger that was, you know, going to hurt us more so that our survival would be dependent on it. So the first thing I want to say with you or with anyone too is I think when we're noticing ourselves self-sabotaging, we want to look at or we want to interrogate what survival stories are coming up that were created in us before we, we might have been pre-verbal, right? Because also studies have shown, and I know you know this because I know you talk about this and you talk about this on this show, I was reading a study where things that have happened to us when we're pre-verbal, right? So before maybe two or three, they live in our brain in a different way because we don't have language for them. We might have sensations. They might be living in our brain in a less compartmentalized way, in a way where we can't necessarily locate them. And that's also why I think body work, somatic experiencing, nervous system work, creative work, like art therapy, uh, hypnosis is really an EMDR, you know, whatever, pick your, pick your modality, dance, you know, gardening, whatever works for you to, to get into your body <laughs> and to get out of these kind of survival patterns. It feels like you're brushing up against this, this, like these last kinds of barriers for yourself when you're catching yourself self-sabotaging. And we want to look at, or at least I'll just speak for myself, when I catch myself there, because I'm in a, I'm glad you're bringing this up because I'm in a season of this 
as well, where I'm like, babe, why are you still doing this again? Like you, we, we're smart people. We do mindset work. We can see ourselves like in this pattern, you know, um, one, it could be that we're not quite ready. Like we, we got to edge, you know, two, it could be that we're bumping up against some really, really old ingrained patterns around survival, you know, and we want to feel safe and we have to figure out how to feel safe in a different way because the ways that we've internalized, um, you know, I also, sorry, I have some, I'm a, I'm an intuitive. And so all of these images are coming into my brain. All of these ideas are coming into my brain around this. And I'm thinking it might be, it it might be something you might want to look into, but it might be something that listeners want to look into. We kind of, uh, what we do in my classes are, again, we don't try to use this forceful, violent, patriarchal override, you know, tactic with ourselves where we just like feel the burn and do it anyway. And like, you know, th- that's old school. That's so old paradigm. It it works for some people, but it doesn't work for most of us. We So in my classes, we talk to the ego. We talk to the shadow. Like I said, we listen to what scarcity has to say to us. So you might want to negotiate with the negative parts of the ego that are like, no, we have to do it this way so we can feel safe or no, we have to keep this part of our dream locked away. You might want to do some reparenting work. You might want to do some journaling. You might want to do some talking to that aspect of yourself. And just and then once they've gotten their chance, again, whether with a processor, in hypnotherapy, with a therapist, in your journal, whatever, you might want to gently reparent them and say, hey, we're going to try doing it this way. Are you on board? How can I get you on board? What do you need? You know, instead of trying, like what human beings do, and this is nervous system work as well, we very often will override or will avoid. We will override or we'll avoid. And that goes in with our nervous system responses. And it makes perfect sense. There's there's nothing wrong with you or nothing shameful. I do it all the time. I'm always doing, uh, I'm always catching myself in particular with like my, my partner and I, we do this a lot. I'm like, oh my gosh, babe, I'm like trying to override. I'm, I'm getting defensive. I, I just need to sit down and listen. You know, like we do this all the time. So it, there's nothing wrong. It's like how we learn to survive. So I think being gentle, I think taking a different approach with it. The last thing I want to say, and then I, I, I swear I'll stop, is I read this study, and I've been trying it in my own life, where it takes about, on average, a hundred times or so for us to create new neuro pathways, new beliefs, new habits, a hundred times before we learn how to tie our shoe. There was a study shown that if you combined a new thought belief or a new habit with play, with gentle movement, it took like 10 times less to rewire. So what I'm trying to say is, yeah, like making it fun, like when you're in a neutral space or a fun space, like dancing around giving like saying out loud your new beliefs you know doing things like when you cuddle with your animals 
just choosing what thoughts you want to think, you know, and inviting in play and silliness and levity and just see what changes with that. See what, see if that disarms the self-sabotaging part that lives within all of us that really just wants to be assured that they're going to be okay. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to joindeleteme.com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I am going to enter into more play <laughs> because I definitely need that in my life. If you, somebody that knows me personally, you know that uh, I tend to be a little bit more serious. <laughs> my husband says <laughs> I'm always way too pragmatic. So mm-hmm. I am going to bring in some of that play. And I want to touch on a little uh, something. I mean, you, you, so many different gems you just shared here, but I want to touch a little bit on ancestry because you talked about that and epigenetics. You know, I was thinking about this uh, a couple of days ago. My uh, my grandma Hilda, my dad's mom, she um, was kind of a trailblazer entrepreneur before that was hip and before women did that. She ran her own salon out of her house and she worked all of the time. She lived through the Great Depression. And, you know, my theory is she died when I was fairly young. So I, I didn't get to have any of these conversations with her. But my theory was, 
she worked all of the time because she just did not want to have to uh, not have money again, you know, if something else really bad happened in, in the world. And that was kind of how she nurtured herself. But, you know, my father, my dad learned that that same sensibility and he is in his 80s and he will tell you he is not going to stop working until the day he passes away. That is just what he loves and it's become such a fabric of who he is. And, you know, I see a lot of those same tendencies in myself and I try to not embody <laughs> working all of the time, but it's it definitely consumes a lot of my brain because I, I love what I do. And so it's just really interesting to me how, you know, when you start to think about your ancestry and you start to think about, you know, I don't know before my grandma Hilda, you know, what the tendencies were and what the patterns were and what the thoughts around money were. I don't have access to that. But it's really interesting to me to try to try and, you know, kind of dissect things and really look at like, okay, why do I do certain things that I do? You know, so I'm really interested, like, tell me a little bit more about, you know, the role that our, you know, ancestry stories and links and beliefs and all that plays into kind of our current money situation. Yes, this is such a great question. I love your share. Uh, it's so rich because there's so much there. You you could spend some time journaling about or even, again, I'm a witch, so this may not vibe with everyone listening, but you could create an, a small altar to your grandmother, Hilda, where you have her picture, you have an offering to her, and you can ask her to give you information about her beliefs or what she needed or why, you know, she was doing what she was doing. I, yeah. Yeah. You know, or just journal or just talk about it in therapy or talk about it with your partner or wherever you feel safe. Um, maybe your grandmother can come visit you in dreams or through her favorite flowers or favorite colors or things like that just to kind of see. But yeah, I mean, science has shown epigenetically, you know, I'm, I'm Jewish, so I have a, my own, you know, ancestral stuff around money big time. And I share in one of my classes, Money Alchemy, that when I was privileged enough to talk to my grandfather about some of his memories, one of the memories he shared about his grandfather who came here from Europe with almost nothing was that the only time he saw his grandfather was on Shabbat. Because it was the only time, you know, most, not all, but religious and observant Jews do not work on Shabbat. But the rest of the week, his father left before he woke up in the morning and came home when he was already asleep and in bed. And, you know, that is its own story. That is a cellular, molecular carrier of overwork, overexertion. And also, I think similar to your, to you, to your grandmother, quite frankly, something that my, that uh, my great grandfather loved doing. He loved, he ended up um, literally being a rag seller when he first got to this country and then ended up owning a factory. So like in his lifetime, in like 30, 40 years, and he loved clothing. And, and so like for me, there is this element, and I'm sure you can relate, where I love what I do. And I have to be really careful not to be a workaholic. 
I have to be really careful not to overexert myself uh, because I have some stuff around self-worth. Yes. And from a very young age, I it was programmed in me that the only way I was the only way money was worth it or like the only way I could comfortably receive money was if it was difficult. If I was working very hard, then it was then it was okay for me to make six figures. You know what I mean? But if it's like easy and joyful and passive income and like just fun and like like that is much more difficult for me. And so I've been spending the last about mm, four to five years working on this pattern. So the thing I also want to say to listeners is like this isn't like the listicles that are like three ways to change your life in three days. Like it's not like that. It takes <laughs> you, you know, it takes consistency and sometimes it gets too intense or sometimes like life gets in the way and you have to figure out some other stuff. You have to caretake or you get long COVID or you lose your job or, you know, life happens and you can't just always be doing this uh, self-work. Of course, hello, it's a privilege to be able to do it. But my point is what I always tell my students about ancestry epigenetics is if you do not have access to your story, because a lot of people don't, right? Um, for various, various reasons, get really quiet, get really still and put your hand on your heart. And you can ask, what were my family members trying to heal? What was a belief that my ancestry had through no fault of their own, through their own survival stories? And what gifts have I been given by my ancestral line that can help me heal or step into repair around some of these challenges? Because our ancestors give us gifts too. Our like our ans- the reason we're here is because our ancestors were incredibly creative. You know, like they survival is inherently incredibly right, sure. creative. So we can't just be like, uh, you know, uh, like a lot of students I'll get who are white. They they have a lot of white guilt. Um, you know, maybe in their ancestry some terrible things happened from what their ancestors did, and there are pluses and minuses and it's all very complicated and it's for us to parse through but we don't have to make it complicated we can go bit by bit we can get simple we can see what feels good to rewrite rewrite and we can um yeah we can go at the pace that we need to go at personally well i feel like we we've just kind of like tipped the iceberg in this episode. I mean, there's been so much we've talked about and and so much more to to dive into. But, you know, as we as we wrap up, I just I want to leave everyone listening with, you know, some little some little nugget. Sarah, you know, why do you think it's important that we spend time talking about this stuff about money that we don't normally talk about or that we don't normally explore? Like, why why do this work? Why dive into this? Money can be a language of how we relate to ourselves in the world 
it doesn't have to be boring. It doesn't have to be the same as what we've been taught. A lot of people listening to your show, I think, are inherently creative. Again, as I've said, all humans are. We can get creative with it, and it can be a doorway, an opening to different kinds of repair because money is this thing that we cannot avoid. We cannot avoid it. So why not have it be as nurturing, generative, eye-opening, weird, interesting, you know, as as we are? This episode just kind of hit home for me in a really big way. If I'm being honest, I have dealt with all the topics we talked about. Shame, nervous system out of whack, self-sabotage, and I've also grappled with my ancestry and the money beliefs that have been passed down for generations. But I, I loved how Sarah walked us through these heavy topics. So you see, money, yeah, it's simple, but it's also very complex, but it doesn't have to remain hard or stressful. So hopefully this episode just opened the door for you to explore how these topics also show up in your life. If you want to connect with Sarah, you can find her podcast Moonbeaming wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. You can also find her at Moon Studio and the web address is moon-studio.co. If you enjoyed this episode, you know what to do. Share it with a few friends right now. Invite them into this simple yet very complex world of money. As always, you can head to the show notes for all the links to our episode guests, as well as the sponsors who make this show possible. I'll see you back here, my friend, in a few days for a brand new episode. <laughs>